0: 25 Live. This is Jim Bernica from the Firefighter Cancer Consultants, and on today's episode, we've got my old pal, Dr. Sarah Janke. How are you doing? Good. Good. I know I woke you up early for this.
1: Oh, I will hold it against you forever.
0: No, at least not forever. All right. <laughs> if you don't know Sarah, you should. She's absolutely awesome when it comes to all this firefighter cancer stuff, Um. I'm going to go through her resume. It'll be, like I said, 10 minutes long because she's got everything. But no, not really. She's she's the principal investigator at a National Development and Research Institute since 2009. She's also uh, was an assistant professor at Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences between 2006 and 2009. She completed her doctorate in psychology with a health emphasis at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, She consults for the National Volunteer Fire Council and the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. She's an active member of the Safety, Health, and Survival Section of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. Her father was uh, a firefighter and actually still kind of in the business selling training towers. And she was also one of the 15 uh, in-person participants in the Firefighter Cancer Support Network white paper Going back to April 2013, which is where I actually met her and uh, started our friendship. Um, I think it's partly because we were really the only two young people there involved in that <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> it's, that's true, isn't it?
1: I that I will not comment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, it's true. I'm just she's being nice. Uh, no, but that whole the whole white paper experience I think was absolutely great getting together and putting that out and then seeing everything that's happened since then. Um, would you, I mean, would you agree with that? That was just a pivotal moment and all yeah. this firefighter cancer stuff.
1: Definitely. Yeah. That was the, before it was really cool.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. It was definitely even taboo to really talk about this stuff. Then I know why I was involved because I was kind of an insider on that whole thing. Um, But how did you kind of get the call to even be involved in that? I don't think we ever even talked about that. Like, um, Who reached out to you and and what have you already done to where they were like, hey, Sarah would be a good fit in this?
1: You should have warned me that you would ask that question because I actually don't um, remember. I had met uh, a lot of the folks through FCSN before that and knew Mike Dubron. Um, You know, everyone's only two steps away, but knew Mike. And um, so when they were talking about folks to ring in. I mean, there weren't a ton of people doing cancer research or health research in the fire service back then. So, um, you know, I'd read the literature on it. So we kind of came together. I just called and said, hey, would you mind sitting in on this? Because we're, it was uh, attached to a conference that I was going to be at anyway. So yeah, I mean, you know, anything I can do to help, I'm all about it. So read up on the, the literature and got an invite to the meeting. And it was a great, it was a great meeting.
0: Yeah, it was. It was uh, the longest week in Indianapolis history for at least me, you know, because you went through FDIC and then <laughs> and then it's like, hey, guess what? You're staying an extra day. And then on Monday, we're going to start doing this, this white paper. So, you know, that was a, a few days as well added on to an already long FDIC week.
1: But it was awesome.
0: It was awesome. and And we did stuff that there's pictures of that we can't even share. It's probably better not to. Not Yeah, it, it's, it's still funny, but anyway, <laughs> I share with you every now and then just for a laugh. Anyway, beyond, beyond that, all right, this is an audio podcast. Luckily, it's not a video, so we don't have to put that picture up. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I digress now. So I've seen your lecture since then several times. Uh, last year, we had you out at our initial Miami Valley Firefighter Health and Wellness Conference. Um here in lovely Dayton, Ohio area. And, uh, I'm dragging you back here later on this October. I'll plug that some more, but I wanted to discuss some of the things that you actually talk about because it's, uh, you know, I do the whole 25 steps and different things. And, and I have, I really simplify and dumb it down. One of my steps is nutrition and exercise. And, and I spend two or three minutes on it, which is, I know not enough, but you're able to get like an hour and a half out of that stuff, two hours. So, um, you are definitely, uh, I think on top of a lot of important stuff when it comes to those, those topics. So it's, I just want to throw out some of these things and just, just kind of gloss over all that. I obviously don't, I know you don't want to do a two hour thing on all the stuff, but just some of these topics, like number one, talk about energy drinks in a fire
1: service. Oh, uh, you know, So I actually was asked to write an article about energy drinks not too long ago, um, and they really expected me to be super negative about them. And there I think there are some negatives. Um, I think if used appropriately, you know, caffeine and sleep and shift work is a challenge. So um, they're if used appropriately, I think is the key thing there. Cause the caffeine's great. You want to be careful not to drink ones with too much sugar in them, because that's the other thing that will kind of keep you up and that's not good. Um, you know, drinking them when it's appropriate and not, not too much at any one time. Now that being said, that's not usually how I see it consumed in the firehouse. So it's usually like several in a row drinking them all day long, which then interrupts sleep later when you can get sleep. Um, and I think they can be. I think there's some out there that um, that are, especially when not used appropriately, can be kind of dangerous for your health. I, health. I know that um, that the uh, there was some work going on. Don Abbott's doing some work on May days and cataloging those and looking at the circumstances around them. And I know that he's found um, that to be a contributor with a lot of the maydays it's people who have consumed a lot of energy drinks i think you know they can affect your cognitive ability and they can affect kind of health overall and your attention and um so i think that's the danger of them is if you're not using them in a way that is is wise you know if you if you use it like coffee and you use coffee just a couple cups in the morning that's one thing if you're drinking a pot of coffee in the morning and a pot of coffee in the afternoon i think that's a whole nother so i think and then the other concern is Beyond kind of cognitive ability and and functioning is the um, is the sleep and their interrupted sleep and really if you're drinking those in the afternoon it's gonna cause a problem in terms of sleep you're not gonna get sleep that's as good and that type of stuff does that answer your question?
0: Yeah no it does it does and there's it's just I don't I can't speak for every fire department but I know there's there's some stations where I'm at where I mean, they have a whole case or two in the fridge, ready to go.
1: Yeah.
0: And they and, all they all partake. I mean, well, it's it, it it kind of almost in a way replaced coffee.
1: Yeah, and if you're waking up, you know, if you're up in the middle of the night and you have to be up for something, but and it's really one of the things that's I think really hard about when we talk about health and the fire service and any kind of like health behavior, is we assume that all firefighters and all positions at every station are created equal. And that's just not true. I mean, even within departments, you have stations that are really busy and stations that rarely get up at night. Um, So it's what we have had a hard time with. And the research is really pulling that apart. Even if you look at like shift work, how do you, um, how do you examine shift work for a department? Because even if everyone's on a, you know, 24, 48 or 48, 96, their experiences in terms of calls and the interruption of sleep each night is significantly different between, um, between stations really and crews. And, you know, are you on the truck? Are you on the ambulance? Are you, uh, so that's one of the challenges, but you you can't assume that everyone's going to be, you know, up working all night. If you are up working all night and you need the caffeine, then, then get it. But, you know, also use that appropriately and, and don't, Drink like you're going to be up all night for caffeine if you're not. Because it does really interrupt sleep.
0: Sure, sure. You know, and that's that's actually a good segue. I know this this next topic I'm going to throw out there, I know you're intrigued by it because I know we talked about it kind of uh, just last month in Miami. Uh, is the sleep deprivation.
1: Uh, yeah. The
0: shift work. I mean, this is kind of uh, we're learning a lot about this, a lot of new things, but we realize kind of how screwed up generally we are and, and like you said it's it's different per, for stations and departments and everything else I know I was on the medic last night I told you earlier uh, before we started the call uh, I didn't have anything after 10 o'clock and that is that is an absolute rarity it is it is like a Christmas morning here for me because of that today that is yeah. the, that's not the norm and I know that's not the norm for most people either
1: no it's not and you know so the more I learn about sleep I've always known sleep is important but um, and, and a great book recommendation that came to me two or three people that I talked to had recommended this book. So I picked it up and it's fantastic. I think it's Dr. Walker out of California and it's a book called why we sleep and it overviews all of sleep because it gives a general overview of sleep and its function and, and the structure and the amount of sleep you need and that kind of stuff. But, um, the, the, really there's not a health, the cycle in your body or a health, parameter that's not affected by sleep. And it's just so important. I think it doesn't get, you know, it feels like, well, we can fit it in, but really the more research that comes out on on um, sleep, I really think it does have to be a priority because I think it kind of underlies every, not kind of, it does underlie every other health risk that, that um, people have, that firefighters have. And when you look at the research on shift work, I mean, a, across um, the board, you have, Negative health outcomes related to shift work. So you know you see increased risks of everything from behavioral health concerns to um, cancer, cardiovascular disease. I mean, shift work is shift work is is bad for your health because there's the kind of underlying rhythms of your body, the circadian rhythms, and the way your mm-hmm. body processes things, the way your mind processes things that are really controlled by when you sleep and how much you sleep. And people are really bad at judging their own um, their own impairment when it comes to sleep too, which is interesting. But I think, you know, one of the challenges with the fire services, you know, someone has to be up at two AM when a car accident happens or grandma gets um, falls down and gets stuck in the bathroom and someone's like well,
0: to- grandma up at two AM? That's what I wanna know.
1: She has to go to the bathroom.
0: Oh, okay, I do
1: too. <laughs> <Let's> see. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. But Fair right that's when that call comes in and you don't wanna be you know, you don't wanna have to get up, but someone's gotta get up and do that. But sure. it's also this challenge of like it's it's just so bad for your health. It's so bad for your health, um, to have that interrupted sleep and have twenty five years of interrupted sleep and you know, and then I mean, God forbid you're in the volunteer fire service and you have your scanner on I mean, I grew up with a scanner in the house all the time. Like to have the scanner on 24-7, like, you never get a good night's sleep. So, yeah, it's rough.
0: Oh, I agree. No, it's, I think, and I don't know if it'll be in, in the terms of when, you know, by the time my career is done, but the, the way we look at sleep in the fire service just needs to be just completely rechanged. You know, we need to have a way to where we have um, better quality sleep, more of an opportunity to sleep, um, in, in uninterrupted, uninterrupted. you know, I know there's still departments out there to where you hear everything else at the other stations as well. So if another station goes out, you get woken up for that too, even though you're not going out and that's just, it's just unnecessary. And also the whole, the mindset of naps, even, you know, Mm. naps are a bad thing. How dare us really? I mean, you know, city officials generally don't even like the fact that we're sleeping at all on duty. Uh, right. at night let alone taking naps but I mean that's that's an important thing and it's and I also th- and it made me think back when I started learning more about this i I went to uh, about two and a half years ago I was in Europe spent some time in Sweden and also in England because kind of torn to the, the different brigades and seeing how they do things and I remember going to two large brigades there and uh, the labor management had a big, uh, issues, the contracts, and, and everything else. And and as a punishment, management actually took out all of the beds of these fire departments, these huge brigades with thousands of people, took them out. They're all stored in a warehouse. And when those guys want to sleep at night, they're getting in sleeping bags or air mattresses. I mean, it's just crazy.
1: I would love to see the data on their um, things like injuries after that. I'd also love to see um, any data that they have, like in terms of long-term health effects. That's just, I mean, they, I don't want to say that's stupid because that oversimplifies it, but that's so short-sighted. I it just, sleep is so important. I, I yeah. Sometimes choices are not made really thinking about the actual people it's gonna affect, but. Well, and
0: I, I just don't think they understand it. They don't uh, the consequences aren't aren't uh, really widely known by the norm person. Not even really by the fire service. I mean, there's certain people you and I are aware of it, and we're trying to get word out, but it's going to take a while.
1: Well, and, and like I said, people are bad at being able to know their own like how well <clears throat> rested they are. And so there and there has been quite a bit of research looking at like can you just make up or sleep like can you go without sleep during the weekend and then make up for it on the weekends and really the answer is no um, <clears throat> there are and, and people are really unaware of it so if you ask if you test people like their on their cognition or learning or memory and um, you see impairments. They've done this where they go into into labs and they control the environment. And then they limit the amount of sleep. And people will say that they don't feel tired, but you see pretty quickly deficits. And then the other thing I hear is a lot of people say, um, oh, yeah, you know, I only need four or five hours of sleep each night. And sure. um, w- the research on that suggests that there is a genetic um, marker for people who really are fine with limited sleep. Um, and so there are people that that have that and can do that, but that if you look at the frequency of it, when they look at um, you know kind of general population, the the rate of that, you're more likely to be struck by lightning than to have that.
0: Okay, really, really well, that quickly. puts it in that kind of puts it in perspective.
1: Yeah, so if you think about you know if you think about it, it, seems like that you don't need that much sleep, but you know if you're able to like doze off when sitting at a meeting if you're or, or you know if you sit down and watch tv and you fall asleep then you're not getting enough sleep so the other thing that really they look at it, and a lot of re, some of the research that's come out of um, harvard with firefighters looks at uh, car accidents and injuries and that's another area where you know sleepy driving is under recognized as one of the things that is really dangerous um in both in the fire service and in the general population but you know you have there is a walker has this great chapter on micro and he talks about how, you know, the sleepy driving, you know, sometimes you'll be driving, especially like I think about on your way home when you've been up all night and you have that kind of like, it feels like a long blink, And you like it, either while you're driving, like at a stop sign or, um, you know, driving down the street, it feels like a long blink, Like, Oh my God, I almost fell asleep there. You actually are getting these moments of sleep. But the interesting thing about that is your body can basically be paralyzed for a few seconds. So what he talks about in his book is how compares it to drunk driving. And what you see a lot of times with drunk driving accidents is, you know, people, their movements impaired. Right. And so they will um, drive, see that they're about to hit something and try and swerve. And what you see with the um, sleepy driving and the impaired driving from lack of sleep is that even if they see it, they basically are the body's paralyzed. It's trying to kind of repair itself. And so there's more head on so i'm not suggesting that people should dr- drive um but you know it is it's not just a minor thing it's not a you know it's not it's not lacking in danger
0: i, driving. I often worry about like you know I, for me i've got a 50 minute drive home it's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal but we have you know we we had a residency rule for the longest time here in my city and they finally got that lifted so now we have people living in Columbus and Cincinnati. Yeah. We have somebody who lives in Indiana. I mean, they're they're driving an hour, hour and a half home every third day. And, it, you know, a lot of them are still on a medic every single day. I don't know how to make that drive.
1: Yeah. Oh, I've I, seen
0: I, I have a 15 day. minute one. They have, you know, hour plus. I mean, it's it's kind of asking for it in a way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the other thing to it, like I, I mentioned sleep quality. I, I know a thing that helped me was. I got a CPAP machine.
1: Yeah. And so that's their sleep disorders in the fire service are way under recognized, exactly. under treated. They did when there was a survey, um, a survey that was done of departments around the country. And I want to say, I, I would say don't quote me on this, but it's going on record at this moment. Um, I, it was around 40% I think, about 36% of firefighters had um, seemed to have when screened had, likely sleep, um, sleep disturbances or, or sleep. Um, it wasn't all sleep apnea, but, uh, some sort of sleep issue. And often it was undiagnosed and untreated. So I would definitely encourage folks to, you know, be, pay attention, get sleep studies if they're feeling that like they're waking up tired and that kind of stuff. Cause you know, with sleep apnea, you basically don't get a full night's sleep. Your body wakes up over and over no. and over.
0: No, and I can I will speak from experience. You know, let's say beforehand I'd have eight hours of sleep. Um, The quality of sleep wasn't there. So now, even if I get five or six hours of sleep, and I'm on a CPAP machine, I feel so much better. I mean, I may not have slept technically slept as long, or at least for the duration, but the quality is so much better and I feel better in the morning and I'm able to just function much better because of it. So it's definitely worth looking into.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. Well, and I think too, so the i thing I've, I've uh, I think is interesting is like the role that sleep plays with cognition and like consolidation of memories. And I wonder if some of that is, uh, you know, we obviously see some concerns and, and a lot of firefighters talk about things like flashbacks to bad calls and, those types of things, then, you know, not even, not always even, like, in a um, diagnosable PTSD way, but I do wonder how much of that is, is augmented by issues with sleep, so it's interesting, Um, yeah, it's interesting, I don't, I don't know, I think that there's a lot more, I I hear a lot more about sleep now, and I get asked a lot more questions about sleep now than I ever have, Um, so I think people are paying more attention to it. There was, Um, Joel Billings, who's now down in um, a university in Florida, but just finished his PhD in Oklahoma, did a study and he looked at sleep and he looked at different shifts. And, um, you know, while there was was a smaller study because it was a dissertation, he had some really interesting findings. And one of them being looking at sleep opportunity and just the amount of time that people were able to sleep when you were on the job and on different shifts. And his data suggests that one thing that may influence it more than the shift is the shift time of shift change. So if you think about like a shift change that happens later in the morning, you know, a lot of departments switch at like seven. And so if you have to be up and ready to leave at seven, you're waking up at five thirty or six. And so if you his data suggests that if you switch it so it's later, um, that it might help with sleep sleep quality and quantity. So there are a couple departments that have. Um, couple of departments I've heard of out in the West where they just switched to a 6 p.m. shift change, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting thing to think about. And then um, I know I think it's Austin does a – yeah, Austin does a noon shift change. Yeah,
0: you know, I I thought uh, – I worked with uh, Ben Fire District Number 4 in Louisiana. They they come in at 5 o'clock, and I was – the more I heard their schedule, I was intrigued, but when I thought about my department in particular, I was like, There's no way that it would ever go for that because we would be zombies that, that, you know, for most of that shift.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But but for, for slower departments, that definitely works.
1: Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, and it, it, I definitely, I think I, I think differently about sleep than I used to. I used to, when I was younger. I'm old now, by the way. I think you know that.
1: Uh, I think we're the same age, so you're, I would say. Uh, you're
0: actually, uh, you're older than Shut me, up. but anyway, anyway, um, the whole, and I, I know you're not going to get this quote, and some people may, the whole, the Warren Zevon song, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's, yeah. I think, how I was for the longest time, and I finally, you know, whatever, I'll I'll just make it through. I'll keep going. And over the years I realized now sleep is pretty important and I need to get away from that.
1: So it's funny. You should say that Um, again, back to Dr. Walker addresses that in his, uh, in his book. And actually there's research to suggest that that whole concept of I'll sleep when I, when I'm dead, if you don't get appropriate sleep, you are probably actually bringing, um, you know, there are mortality studies and you likely are bringing death on sooner. So you're kind of facilitating that happening sooner rather than later um, if you're not getting sleep. So you'll sleep when you're dead because dead will happen ha- sooner than it would otherwise.
0: <laughs> it's great news. You're welcome. All right. Have you ever heard of, by the way, have you ever heard of Warren Zavon? Have you ever heard of Warren Zavon? No. Okay. He did the Werewolves of London song. Remember that?
1: Are we back to pop culture?
0: What have I told sorry.
1: you about?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Black hole. Yeah, you. I use my brain, uh, room in my bank brain for random stuff that doesn't matter, like Warren Zivon stuff, and you use it for science. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry. Uh, let me ask you this, because you've done a lot of stuff in the past that we kind of touched on, but you're, you're still doing all sorts of different research on things that... I think we really haven't thought a lot about, but it's just so, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's scary to me, actually, some of the things you're working on. Um, you know, things like, uh, well, how about we touch on the whole reproductive health?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm here for all the good news. So we just published <laughs> recently an article where we looked at rates of miscarriage among women in the fire service. Now, granted, it was a, the study we were doing was not specifically focused on that. So we asked the questions and ended up with data we really felt like we needed to publish, but we're digging into it more. Uh, but we found higher rates of miscarriage among women in the fire service than what we saw in what you see is general population rates. And there's challenges with asking that question and how you ask it and what you classify as a miscarriage at, you know, what point. Um, but they, we did find higher rates of that in an early uh, or preterm um Preterm labor, so early labor, which I think, you know, makes sense when you think about some of the occupational, everything from, you know, the interrupted sleep to the exposures and stuff like that. What it's led to, so there's actually a group that's looked at, um, proposed some research to look at reproductive health also of men in the fire service. There was a study that came out of Europe that was recently published that found when they looked at people seeking fertility treatment, Firefighters in their population were 46 percent more likely to have infertility issues and be seeking treatment. I shouldn't say have fertility issues technically to be seeking treatment for t- fertility issues compared to the general population. So there's a group that's really come together in the states to look at that more specifically. Um and and haven't gotten anything funded on it yet, but if you look at kind of step back and look at the mechanisms, it makes sense that the exposures and the heat and all those types of things would affect um, sperm. And so there's a a group that's interested in looking at at sperm epigenetics. So how those exposures could impact sperm and then also child health outcomes, like is being on the job, does it affect you know, the, the folks that do research on child health stuff said that they would fully expect to see higher rates of things like um, autism spectrum disorders and attention deficit disorder among the offspring of firefighters. So it's kind of big questions. It's been brought up. There are a couple of EFO reports out there. One that looked at rates of there was kind of it looks like to be a cluster of cancers among the the kids of firefighters. That was kind of an interesting um an interesting group Is that
0: the the kid Kits, kidnap one uh yeah yeah i okay.
1: think so um think in washington state that, yeah a couple others that have looked at things like that and and really they feel like they see high rates of some of those things i don't know that we'll be able to look at cancer among kids among offspring of firefighters um but uh that also could be I just because I don't know that we'll have the numbers even like a large study we need a really large study Um, but I do think you know if you think about all the stuff that you're exposed to it's not just a lot of it has kind of a lasting impact I mean the good news of that because I've had people challenge me like are you trying to get people to not be firefighters the good side of it is a lot of the stuff that you do to prevent things like cancer so like limiting exposures and those types of things and, and clean gear and you know, not wearing your gear in the station, not keeping it in your personal vehicle, um, is the same stuff that's going to, you know, reduce exposures. Kind sure. of the board, but.
0: I, know, I know I've started when I when I discuss this subject and I, and I particularly talk about our female firefighters. I basically recommend when you find out you're pregnant, stop firefighting, at least for that period. You know, do some restricted duty, some light duty somewhere, you know, whatever it may be. But you know, whenever you're getting exposed and we are getting exposed, you're going to be passing that on to your unborn child. Well, and then the those, flip side, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Though, or the, the, I was just going to say though, that the, the tradogens, like the the most dangerous part is that first 12 weeks. And most people don't even share that they're pregnant. Yeah, first twelve sure,
0: weeks. Sure, So sure. sorry. The, the other sorry. thing is no, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, when you do have your child, and you go back to, you know, firefighting. If, if you're if you're continuing to breastfeed, it's important if you get an exposure, if you have a fire or whatever it may be, that you um, pump and dump, I guess, for about three days to make sure you don't pass on those toxins to your child. Yeah. So it's just different. I, I know after watching my wife breastfeed twice, it, she doesn't – I know she wouldn't like that idea, but it's, you know – what are you passing on to your kid? It's not it's, worth it.
1: And it's hard because, you know, on one hand, breastfeeding is so healthy. There's so many benefits. But yeah, pumping and dumping for 72 hours is, is a difficult. Now that came from the work, the pilot study Jeff Burgess did. Um, we have one that he's doing analysis on breast milk right now where he's looking at is it, does it really need to be 72 hours or could it be a shorter period of time? So for that one, recruited um, women who were breast feeding, collected breast milk, um, pre-incident, post-incident, 24, I think we have 24, 48 and 72, and then also other people and their um, friends who are breastfeeding in the same community who aren't in the fire service. So hopefully we'll get at if we can shorten that time. Uh, but, and on one hand, you know, it seems so simple, like change duties, go off the truck at, as soon as you find out you're pregnant. But then think about kind of the implications of that too. There, it's a heated issue. Um you know, if you, if anyone on the job in general was like, I need to go for the next nine and a half months, work a desk job. First of all, no one wants to be off the truck. Like, it's not fun to be on light duty. Um, but some departments don't have that. They don't even offer that as an option.
0: That is uh, true. Absolutely. If you're a volunteer, I mean, what does oh. that mean? You're basically not volunteering.
1: Right. and i like i've heard of people who have lost their jobs you know they the fmla only covers a certain amount of time and if you take that while pregnant to protect the fetus then you know can you not stay home after baby's born it's such an important time for so many different reasons everything from you know healing to bonding um so it's a huge challenge and then it's just the you know, it's a, it's a challenge in terms of, does it kind of stop the clock on your seniority and and where you can be in a promotional process? I've talked to a lot of women who work shifts and that really works for their family. Sometimes the husband works shift too, and they just trade back and forth. So if you have to go to 40 hours a week and that's, you know, a difference in pay, and then you have to pay a, a babysitter because you're working 40 hours. I mean, they're just, it's a really, um, I agree with you. I personally like that would be Best case scenario is that the minute you find out you're pregnant, you can adjust duties, but it's harder than than I originally thought it would be. Like, it seems obvious, but in practice, I think it's a little bit more challenging.
0: Well, I, I agree. I know there's some departments that don't have that set up, but I think that's part of our role is to educate them to make yeah. sure that that is an option.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, to, again, what are we, I always talk about risk management. What are we risking and why are we risking it? Right. Right. Not just for ourselves, but, you know, our kids.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think once we, I mean, that's why I think that research on, like, offspring and reproductive health is so important. That I think, you know, there are a lot of things that people wouldn't risk if they um, if they understood the health impact. So we need to kind of quantify those health impacts. And, you know, some folks who I think, I think one of the issues with, one of the challenges with cancer is everyone's like, oh, that's just not going to happen to me. Or you know, I'm going to die of something, but sometimes people that I think, I feel like that you have a hard time getting, I'm excited about the cancer issue, or um, when you start talking about sperm, they it, it pay attention real fast, so I think that's the, uh, one of the benefits of, of researching other stuff, and fortunately, some of the, like, limiting exposures is the same for cancer and, and reproductive sure. health and
0: safety. absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: I know, it's just, that's a... Such a positive topic to talk about.
1: I like I said, I'm here to spread nothing but joy.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: I've well, sure actually people go, lately who were who were like, "Oh, I heard you speak, and I didn't really like you at first. And I was like, "Oh," and they said, "Yeah, what, you know, the stuff you're talking about is not. No one wants to hear that." I'm like, oh. you,
0: you are the absolutely the no fun police when you you know because you i'm not even going because i know i'm already i'm already taking longer than i told you the whole thing would take but when you talk about alcohol when you talk (laughs) about obesity when you when you talk about all these things it's it's stuff that i don't want to hear i really don't but i need to and everybody else needs to as well
1: it's not me it's just the science i mean the data is the data i'm just sharing
0: what it's you it's
1: you you said i could on this so i won't but i have some choice words for you when we stop recording uh, fair enough that's fine
0: it's worth it um well, let me <laughs> ask you this. let me try to wrap it up a little bit you are um you're ready to have a book come out that you were a part of oh. and also do a little speaking speaking tour you want to talk yeah. about that for a second
1: yeah we have um it's coming out in the i think it should be ready by fall it's called surviving the fire service and um, Todd Laduke from Down and Broward is the the editor, and we got pulled together just some really awesome folks, kind of a, a dream team of of research topics and and um, and evidence. And it's you know like Frank Lido helped write the chapter on behavioral health. He runs counseling services for FDNY. Denise Smith and Gavin Horner on it, who have done amazing work um, out of the University of Illinois in Skidmore, and. cardiovascular risks and fire ground exposures and it really kind of takes the um takes stuff and and makes it usable so i think we call it like science to the street or uh, there's some tagline to it but yeah it's good we've got um in kansas city we've got september 13th surviving the fire service seminar coming up so i think we put that out on twitter and on the uh, facebook page for the center for fire rescue and ems health research so we've got that out there um, it's on my Twitter account, which is Sarah S A R A A N N E seventy one and yep, yeah, that's my handle. I'm really not gonna Twitter, but what about um, your MySpace? Oh my god, I have one still. I did. <laughs> I went and looked it up. I mean I don't know the password or even what email address I use, but okay.
0: I I actually I had this conversation last week where I said I I enjoy MySpace more than this Facebook stuff.
1: I remember being confused about what it was. People asked me to sign up and I'm like, why would I want to be friends with someone online? Like we're already friends. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm a late adopter on that stuff.
0: Black no, old, no, that's
1: a, it's all right. Black old, late adopter. But now you're aging us. People are like, what is MySpace? They must be really old.
0: Oh yeah. It's, well, it's, we are. We are, it's, by the way. That's true. We would like, if we did another white paper, there'd be younger people that hung out and we would have to, we would be the old people.
1: Uh, I've noticed that actually quite a bit now where I'll be at things and people are like, these are the future and they're not looking at me. They're looking at, at the postdocs I work with and I'm like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and
0: you and I are both going to bed like at nine o'clock <laughs> when we're out.
1: That's way late. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 830 uh, is the third time.
0: <laughs> no. So you're starting in Kansas city and you're going to end up hopefully yes. doing this in different places as well.
1: Yeah, we've had some interest from um, from a couple of different like state training folks. I did. We did. We're up in Oregon. Um, oh, a couple of months ago and pilot tested it up there. And it was a really great kind of interaction exchange. Uh, we learned some stuff. Hopefully folks in the room learned some stuff. Reviews were pretty good. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think not that the book's not going to be just really amazing, but you know, who wants to sit down and read an entire book. So I think kind of having the exchange and conversation about it is really helpful. And I think one of the things we've learned is that, um, you got to bring it to people. Like it's really easy to sit with a group full of folks who are focused on cancer and health and wellness and research and feel like we've already done it. Like everyone knows cancer is an issue. Everyone knows, um, you know, these are the issues in the fire service. So it's, it, it's easy to like sit in the ivory tower and assume that everyone's on the same page, but that's so not true. And when I'm out in fire stations collecting data or, you know, out visiting with local folks, I mean, there's still people that don't clean their gear. There's still people who don't wear their SCBAs. Um, it's, it, everyone's not on the same page. So I think it's important to get the message out there to have like get the early adopters excited about it. So it kind of will trickle down, but also just, uh, you know, make people aware of what they're facing. So yeah, it's good stuff.
0: Now I, I just, I double checked my calendar. I will not be there. I'll be in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, at the Canadian fire rescue conference talking there to those guys and gals. Yeah. So eating some platoon or what, is, what was it? Whatever it is, the, um, Fries of gravy stuff. It's very weird.
1: Uh um
0: poutine. Poutine. I was close. Whatever. I let me ask you this though. Oh have you ever had that? I have. What'd you think?
1: I was not um I I expected more I was not a huge fan of it.
0: It was uh actually better than I thought it was gonna be. But I still would rather just you know what, how about ketchup? Ketchup, please.
1: yeah, or um, chili and cheese. That works too. Yeah, um, that seemed
0: odd. But. Let me ask you this, because all right, I, you're, you're in Kansas City. I, yes. I've been there. I've been there one time, but it was very, very quickly. It was, I went to a Royals game.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that's when I was uh, young and able to have fun, and I did. I, I went. And I saw all 30 major league ballparks in like four years' time. So I spent a little bit of time basically at the ballpark, and that was it. But if I were, let's just say that they canceled the Chiefs Conference up in Canada, um, and I was hanging out with you, where would you take me out to eat? What's what's unique to you guys? Don't tell me Applebee's or whatever else.
1: I mean, barbecue. Barbecue. Hello. That
0: makes sense. Kansas City barbecue. Kansas
1: City barbecue. Yeah. Actually, we have the night of the seminar. We have a big the American Royal barbecue is going on. So, um, we are going to be, we've got a party going on over there for a lot of the folks who are coming to the event. And uh, that's going to be amazing. My sister's organizing it, and we've got a barbecue team coming in. And so, that's going to be fantastic. It's uh, check out, you need to look at Fire Casey, like the Fire Festival, F Y R E K C dot com. She has everything, including a swimming pig. So, it's a play on the Fire Festival that. Didn't happen like the documentary on Netflix. Um, yeah, I talked her out of she really wanted a picture uh, to Photoshop a picture of my dad in a swimsuit because he's they're putting on WHP training towers that's putting it on. Yeah. And, um, dad owns the company and my sister's in the process of kind of taking over the reins from him. And so she really thought that that would be a great addition. Um, him walking through the water in a swimsuit. And I you're welcome for stopping that. For all of us, I think it was a good thing. But yeah, so Kansas City Barbecue is like obviously the thing. Um, And there are a lot of really great, I mean, Joe's is kind of like the place that has been on TV and gets a lot of awards. I like that one. But there's some new ones that are pretty good. Gates is a good one. Yeah. I'm um, disappointed in you that you're not attending that. But uh, when you do have... City. I mean, what
0: uh, what do you want? You didn't, uh, you know, the fire chiefs invited me first and, uh, and you didn't let me write in your book. So there you go. Mm,
1: I think I mentioned this to you a long time ago.
0: You didn't ask me to write anything. You just told me you were doing it.
1: Oh, you're talking about the boy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not the editor.
0: What? <laughs> well, I'm going to talk to the editor next. All He's- right. We're. I'll bring it up to him too. No, but anyway, um, all right. So again, September 13th, Kansas city, you've got a a great lineup there. Um, you got your cheap plug in now. Let me get mine. If you don't mind, because like I said earlier, I'm bringing you back to Ohio. Yes.
1: Um,
0: October 24th, October 25th. It's the Miami Valley firefighter health and wellness conference. I've got you talking on, uh, that Thursday, you doing uh, your kind of nutrition, uh, just just overall health and health and wellness for uh, regarding cancer stuff. Yes. And then I also I'm gonna plug you in, and you're gonna be part of a, a roundtable discussion with everybody that everybody else that talked that day. And I'm also bringing in um, some superstars like uh, Kenny Fent and okay. other people other people that are just kind of look you know luckily kind of local to us. So. And we'll just be able to, you know, have an hour and a half, just hour, hour and a half. I'm not sure yet. Just kind of just, just discussing everything. So you you were at the conference last year.
1: Yeah. I'd
0: I, I like to think it's because, you and know, I obviously we get a bunch of different conferences all over the place. Um, i like to see what we're doing is a little bit different. It's a little bit more intimate. It's a little bit kind of more family feeling and, and more casual than and some of the other ones that, that we attend. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, that no, was a great... I really enjoyed it last year. Um, and I think this year's going to be just as great. You got a good list of folks.
0: We do. I'm, I'm pretty... I'm, I'm really proud of that. Nick uh, Nick Magato from Brothers Helping Brothers and myself have been working our butts off on that. And that's where you can get tickets, by the way, on uh, the Brothers Helping Brothers website. Um, now, let me ask you this. Uh, when I introduce you this year, if yes. I were to give you an entrance theme
1: like
0: like pretend pretend this is i don't know wrestling or boxing or ufc or whatever else if you came out for one song what would you what would (gasps) your song be
1: that's so funny because the postdoc at my office just said what my song would be and i can't remember it
0: i don't i don't know I, I, I guess why I asked for it is a pop culture thing and you can't even come up with a song for
1: you. I, yeah, no, I don't have one, but he came up with something and I think it had bitch <laughs> in the title. I wasn't supposed to cuss, but I think it did.
0: And there goes uh, our G rating. Thanks a lot.
1: Are these really rated?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I think I think they are. As long as we don't say that for it a lot, I think we're okay.
1: I, I didn't even use that one.
0: I don't think I did either. I was thinking it, but I didn't say it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was thinking it too.
0: I'm sure you are. All right. Well, <laughs> you let me know what the song is, and I'll see if I can find it. And uh, that's, that's yeah. one of the, that's again, that's one of the things I want to do. Actually, kind of make it a little bit more fun is have people come come out to,
1: How can health and wellness and, not be fun on
0: a, like know? I like we have like you know here's another one we have uh, Jacqueline Toomey from the uh, Firefighter uh, Sleep Recovery Center. Yes. And I I haven't talked about it, but in my head I already thought, like, your theme song is Enter Sandman.
1: Oh, see? Yeah, see? Well, I think maybe you should come up with your own... Why do I have to come up with my theme song? Why can't you just come up with one for me?
0: I can, and I will, but... You got to understand what you just asked of me.
1: I'm just saying I don't feel like that should be my responsibility.
0: Oh, well, then don't be mad at me when <laughs> I play whatever I'm going to play. All right. Oh, great. You and we have a we have an audience that just witnessed that whole thing. So <laughs> All right. Well, as always, Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you're you're doing regarding this. I uh I, I can't think enough. You know, think of you. I think of you so much, and thank you for all this stuff. You know, I um I've talked to my wife about this. I've got I've got a six year old boy and a three year old boy, and I know it's a lot of times when you're a firefighter, you um it's just common for your your kids to follow in your footsteps.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, I don't know if I want that knowing everything I know now. And I know that's probably not the, the popular answer.
1: I hear that a lot though.
0: I would, this is, this sounds crazy, but I would actually be like, cause I care about the firefighters. I care about the fire service. That's, that's obvious. I don't think anybody would ever say otherwise. I would be more inclined to point them into your direction of doing things, of research and helping out and helping prevent this stuff than to follow in my footsteps.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I um, I've heard a lot of people say that. That kind of looking back, but you know, it's still at the at the end of the day, it's a great it's a great job that does important things. And there's a lot that people can do to mitigate the risks. You know, there's a lot what we know in behavioral health, and you know, management and behavioral health compared to ten years ago and 20 years ago I mean there's a lot you can do the risks from the exposures there's a lot you can do there so I mean yeah it's never gonna be like a, a safe boring job but
0: no but it can be it can be made safer and I do believe that the fire service now if you're getting involved is um, you have a much better chance of, of getting through it and being healthier than you know your predecessors because yes. we didn't really know all this stuff so but Absolutely. this is more common knowledge. I mean, I remember doing this. And I've obviously been doing it for a while. You know, firefighter cancer, that was taboo. We didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Us doing the white paper was really the beginning of getting out there and talking about it. And uh, from where we started to where we are now, I know I'm so personally proud of everything. I mean, it's a great feeling let well, see know, where, where we're gone. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Fire service that your kids will come into if they decide to take that path will be light years better than what it was when you started. I mean, that's the thing that's really cool about it. And that's why I love doing my job is that like with everything we're learning, um, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's better. It's leaving the fire service better than, than you found it. And it, you know, there's that saying like a hundred years of tradition unimpeded by progress, sure. and, you know, in some ways that's true. But in other ways, I think it's completely untrue. Like I really, I see people making in departments and crews and individuals making huge strides on these topics. I mean, when you've got Boston fire department putting out, you know, cancer education videos and they're changing what they're doing and bringing in O2X, then I mean, it's,
0: yeah, gear washers at every single station. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Well so, you, you see you see with the stuff that Boston has done and and FDNY and I mean these are the the big guys and yeah. and you just you you know that for everything else you know the fire service kind of follows their lead. So
1: yeah,
0: um, this just I I think it's just a matter of time. I'm at least I'm hopeful of that.
1: I don't, I I've been. I, it, people have claimed that I'm just too Pollyannish about it, but I think you have to be optimistic or, or it just gets depressing. I think, I think, I, you know, the fact that there are podcasts now about health and wellness and that there are, you know, it's being covered. I've got a column in Rescue One and the fact that they want to know what does research say and how can you make that relevant. I mean, it's I wouldn't have had that 10 years ago. You know, we've yeah. got research on women in the fire service. That, yeah, you definitely,
0: uh, you definitely have some job security, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm counting on it. I better.
0: I don't think you have to worry, because uh, I think we are just the beginning of understanding how significant a problem this is, and then also with that, really learning of what we can do to reduce our risk. I mean, we can never say prevent it. I don't, you know, we just have that can't have that guarantee, but. We can at least reduce our risk. And I think that's the main thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Chris just texted me back and he said my walk-in song was Little Mix' Salute.
0: Little Mix' Salute. Yeah. I actually, I don't know that. So I'll have to look that up.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know it either. But when he played it, I was like, oh, that's a nice little song. Is it PG? I don't know.
0: Because, you know, I am very PG. I'm not even PG-13.
1: I don't think that's true.
0: I am an angel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, thanks again so much. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing everything you've done and everything you're working on. And uh, I look forward to, if not beforehand, which you never know, but if nothing else, I I look forward to seeing you here in October in my hometown where I live.
1: Since so you're not um, coming to mind, but whatever.
0: I'm going to Canada, eh? I mean you're taking care of me. Calgary, yeah. Alberta, Canada. That's where Bret Hart is from. The Hart Foundation.
1: Um, I still don't feel like that's a good excuse. But okay, whatever.
0: He's the excellence of execution, the hitman.
1: Mm, still. So I will be eating barbecue.
0: I'm gonna be hanging out with Bret Hart.
1: Mm-hmm. I doubt that.
0: All right. If you see me get arrested for stalking, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all
1: okay. right.
0: All right. Thanks again. Uh, right. I'll see you soon. And uh, I'll talk to all you guys. Next week. Take Man. care. Bye.